sweet tea and lemonade listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We are going to talk more about boundaries. Um, please go listen to part one of our boundaries conversation. But we all know that relationships are these big, beautiful things that we, you know, have to manage and, and that requires work. And part of that is setting boundaries. And so we're talking more about setting these boundaries in our friendships, our family ships, our workships, all of that. So ladies, let's jump in. Let's just start with what boundaries are to begin with. For those who didn't hear us last go round. Well, I think one of the things we were talking about, yeah, before, so I think it's cool to do kind of like a recap to kind of say, yeah, boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are a way of saying yes and saying no. Boundaries, there's a part of self-care. There's a part of boundaries. Boundaries, <laughs> boundaries are what we need for self-love. But I think like, yeah, I think that's awesome. But I wonder what we can talk about is in addition to what boundaries are, it's just how do we know when we need to like reevaluate those boundaries, right? Like when do we need to reevaluate and when do we need to know we need to set different expectations and, and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, because the, the person that you, that we develop relationships with, you know, if we've been in a 10 year relationship the person that I am now is different from the person I was 10 years ago. And so, you know, being aware, you know, there's something that I, I would, used to tell my husband, I was like this when you met me, but I never intended for you to remain like that. I mean, I want to see some growth somewhere. And, mm -hmm. and for me, that was like my, this is just the way it is. This is who I am, accept me or leave me or, or whatever, you know, and, and thinking back on that now, that was such an immature response. Because if something is important enough for your partner or your friend to be able to come to you uh, and say, this bothers me, what an immature response it was for me to say, well, that's just the way I am. And that's the way, you know, and that's the way it's been or whatever. And when you value a relationship, you should be concerned about what, how your actions are impacting someone else. And it's just a compassionate way to be but we don't always realize, immature people never realize they're immature. You, you understand what I'm saying? So I didn't realize that I was being immature to say that's just the way I am. I think it, it really is responsible and compassionate and caring and friendly to, to listen to the concerns of, that people have about how you're interacting with them and what their needs are. And, and sometimes, we are the people who are stating what our needs are and we want to be heard. But then there are other times when people are telling us clearly what they want and we don't respond to that. We continue as we always have. And then we say lame stuff like, that's just the way I am. Well, the way you are is not working for me. So what are we gonna do? Are we gonna terminate this relationship? Are we gonna move forward? Restructuring and redefining how we engage with each other. Yeah. I feel that. You know what? I heard uh, two things and when you were talking about that, and it's like, you know, the first thing is you have to give yourself permission and other people you're in a relationship permission to grow and change and evolve. And that's okay. But also sometimes we have to like go ahead and give ourselves permission to grieve the fact that this boundary is going to change something. So, you know, we're 
I know, and you know, yes, you're right. The mature person is going to listen and respond with compassion. But I think it's okay to realize that, oh, they need something new from me and it's going to require me to make a change. And I may or may not like that change. You know, and I may or may not do that change. And I may or may not do that change. That you're absolutely right. But I think if I want to save that relationship and I know I need to change, I may not like it. So I have to then decide, is this relationship worth the change? Can I make the change? Is it worth it? And sometimes I have to sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to miss being able to do X, Y, and Z because I had become, that become comfortable to me. And this change is uncomfortable for me too. And I try to keep that in mind when, when I'm asking other people to do new boundaries, that I'm asking you to make a change. And I realize that it, because I'm changing and I'm now asking you to make a change that you are in a place that's uncomfortable. Now, I hope that my relationship with you means more than your discomfort and we can work through it. But I do understand that you are in a place of discomfort because I'm asking you to make a change. Yeah, that's really good. It's like, you know, assessing the other person's readiness to change as well in this. And sometimes it's not, our boundaries are not simple. They're very complex. And I'll give an example. You know, if you are setting a boundary for someone who has a health condition, such as addiction or something, it, it would be kind of unreasonable to have the boundary be, you know, hey, you're going to have to stop drinking <laughs> in order for, for this relationship to work. Because we know with addiction, it doesn't just happen that easily. You know, so having some sense of the other person's ability and capacity to actually change and also being willing to work that journey with them, too, because there there's probably a journey for them to take in that change process as well as yours. So walking that with them as well. So we do have to consider those things when we're setting and um, new boundaries in our relationships. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a complex one that you said right there, Nikita. That's one, right, with, with addiction. But I, like, I do agree, like, that's something that's not going to change overnight. So I do think I like how we're using this language, like readiness, capacity, even willingness or motivation to change. Because then we have to know, like, for real, like, whatever it is, if that person has truly made a commitment, a dedication to, they're, they're seeking treatment or guidance or something for addressing some sort of difficulty that they're having, um, and they're willing to do it, we have to know, do really with whatever they require, let's say, you know, professional folks have said, hey, this is the support network that's needed. This is what this person is going to need. This is how you can support them. Are we, are we really able, willing, ready to do that? I mean, are we, do we really want to do that? So we really have to be in the truth of that. But that, that's, that would be a biggie right there. That, that's one, like, are we really willing and able to walk with somebody through that even when it's bumps in the road, particularly dealing with an issue as, as complex, um, yet treatable as addiction. And it gets complicated when you have children on the line because you know then you have to set the boundaries of, you, you can't have unsupervised visits with this child because of, of, of what happens to you when you're under the influence. And so one boundary is that you can see this child when you have not been drinking and with me, and that gets that gets complicated, especially if this is your father. Well, people weigh in and say, "Well, you need, that's a child's father." Well, I'm not going to put the child in dangerous situation. And so, had, 
placing boundaries for the safety of the people that you love are important as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that took a direction I didn't intend to go, but you understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you're not able to walk with someone during that difficult time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes we feel like we have to walk with them. We have to be there all in all. We have to be that support system. But if you can't do it because of your safety or the safety of people around you, or just because you don't have the skill set and capacity to do this walk, sometimes you have to give yourself permission to say, I can't support you in the way that you need right now. I love you. I still love you. I want the best for you. I just can't do that. And so my boundaries look different to other people. And you mentioned those other people because those other voices will make us change boundaries faster than anything else. Mm -hmm. We will make soft boundaries because someone else told us our boundary wasn't, we Mm -hmm. didn't deserve to have that boundary there. But it may look different to other people, but I, I just don't have that capacity to do this walk. And that's okay. And it's interesting because sometimes you set boundaries that you wouldn't have even set for yourself because maybe you didn't value yourself enough. But when, when you have children, then there's some people that, that you would have engaged for the sake of unity in the family. But now that you have children, you're not going to allow your children to be exposed to these lash outs or whatever happens. And so people that you would have engaged until they died because you have children and you don't want them attacking your children like they've attacked you or doing whatever, then you start to dial it back. And you know, I can't tell you how many times in mental health scenarios, I've had women who were sexually or physically abused by parents, uncles or whatever, continue to engage them until they had children. And then when they had children, they felt this guilt of, do I, you know, well, that is their grandfather. No, I don't care if, if the grandfather molested you, I'm going on record for saying it is not a good idea for you to leave your child in that home when he's molested you, your cousins, your aunts, whatever. That is a boundary that you, that is a hard boundary, not a south boundary that you need to insist upon. And if you are grieving that boundary this much, you need to be in therapy. Not should, not perhaps, let me think about it, should be. Because you have to protect your children, certainly. But then I certainly want us to talk about protecting ourselves. And not just from egregious things like, like sexual abuse, but also from people cursing you out and physically attacking you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that comes with also normalizing that these things are not normal. And mm-hmm. so I know that, you know, but it's like we live sometimes in families and we watch other people and we think that things, these things happen to everybody. This is normal. This is what you have to put up with. This is what you have to go through. And we have to get to a place where we are able to say, actually, healthy communication should be our norm. Mm-hmm. We can, safety should be our norm valuing you know ourselves and being respectful of others and their boundaries should be our norm but unfortunately it's not and so we normalize these toxic behaviors and we say everybody went through this and so i know you know i can't protect my child from this they're going to go through it in some way when no actually you can have relationships that are healthy and respectful and do all those things where there's not abuse we have to get to the place where we call it what it is 
And so, you know, we in families, we sugarcoat it. We're like, oh, it's not abuse. It's just the way they talk. It's just the way they do this. No, it's abusive. And it's wrong. And it's not a part of life. It doesn't have to be a part of our life. Right. Absolutely. And if you continue to make excuses for them, then that's going to be a problem for me. Let's be able to talk openly and honestly and not just say that is how man man is. Man man is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's connected to some of the stuff points, though, right? Like, I feel like with individuals that I work with, and I could probably think in my own life that because of it not having been normalized, that certain things aren't normal or okay or just a part of what happens in relationships then I think it becomes this stuck point in people's mind that they start to doubt themselves when they put certain boundaries in place it starts to be a oh and especially if other people particularly in the family I know we're talking about a lot of this can really occur in the family context that start to make people feel bad and doubt themselves for just setting boundaries so like, I just think that's like so super important for people to know, don't get caught in that stuck point place where you just kind of keep yourself stuck in an unhealthy, toxic, toxic cycle, just because you have something embedded in your thinking that this is just a part of relationships or people around you are telling you that because they haven't seen that that's not a part of what's typical. Yeah. I think, I think a, what I get from some of this is um, I don't know, it gets back to what we are as black, as black people, as a black community, you know, um, trauma is so real and we're all in the healing process and that makes our relationships and these boundaries and all these things very complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's normalizing healing as well, you know, normalizing that. And also in that journey, it can be very, um, I don't know, it's kind of, it, it can be, I don't know, I don't want to say sad or, you know, I don't know. Scary. Scary, yeah. It, it, especially when you're on a healing journey and others around you are not, you know. Right. And so when you're setting those boundaries and you're having those conversations and you're ending relationships, um, you know, recognizing that that can be a tough place because mm -hmm. a lot of times of the things that we're requesting in these relationships um, are things that are tied to that person. Their behaviors are tied to their trauma as well. So are they in a place where they can even grow, where they're ready to grow? And like you said, those journeys may not happen together. We may not be able to do that together. And I also want to, I don't know, I kind of want to, I feel like there's, a, there's some relationships that may end forever. But ending relationships doesn't mean that it needs to be forever, not all of them. I mean, I feel like if I heal now and it's just not the space, you know, I, I, we're, you're not in that space of healing yourself and we have to end this relationship because of this boundary, then, you know, who's to say that you won't go through a healing process, process later in life and we may be friends again, you know, or we, you know, who's to say that? So I think also being open to that and having some empathy for people on the other end of this is, is very important um, because these are not these are not these are not simple issues these are very very complex and relationships are complex as well um sorry i think we went a little deep when, yeah. <laughs> when I, 
but I also think it's important what you said is like to make sure that you if you have to end you end well yeah and you yeah. don't burn all the bridges and you don't you know scorch earth go off and cuss them out and it's over tell all of their business all their personal yeah. private business shame them on Facebook and Instagram all that stuff you know that makes it where you can't go back to a relationship right so if you're going to have to take a break or end end well you know, uh, say goodbye well. And also, you know, I always say like, give yourself room to go back and revisit that relationship if in the future it becomes healthy again. Now, some relationships, you're not, you you be like, I'm gone, I don't need to revisit. Still end well. <laughs> you know, like don't go and do all those crazy things that we do, that we do out of anger and out of, heart, and out of hurt. End your relationship from a place of, I want you to heal and I want you to heal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if we have time to talk about it today and maybe that's for another conversation, but I think in the last, um, we've talked a lot about, you know, communication being essential to this and Rhonda, I, you know, I, I, I'm with you when, hey, you have to verbally communicate that boundary. Otherwise I have no idea what it is, but I also know that people are not good communicators in general. <laughs> and so and I'm asking myself and I ask you guys, you know, what are some of those signs that, you know, it may be time to do a relationship checkup where we are assessing expectations in this relationship. We are looking at if, if we should have create some new boundaries or adjust boundaries. What are signs for that? Because I don't, I, I, I am confident when I say, um, even for the people in my life, not all of them and many of them actually, are not at a place where they are good communicators. Um, and one of the big signs for me is always the fallback. Like you said, it's easy for people to just fall back when they hurt. We, we fall back, we don't call as often, we don't, we don't talk as often. And, and, and my approach for that is always when I see a friend or a family falling back, I never assume that it's me, which is probably, <laughs> you know that, I always assume that, hey, let me check in and make sure that they're, they're okay. Like, are you okay? You know, um, and I never assume like they have an issue with me. So when I check in with them and ask them, are you okay? What's going on in your life? That's when I'll find out if this is an issue with me, you know, if it's something that I've done, but I've always taken that approach in it. But the fallback is one of the biggest signs um, that I see that people may have an issue in a relationship, but they have not verbally communicated that or they may not be ready to verbally communicate that and Nikita I'm the opposite uh, perhaps to a fault I think I wonder if I said something I wonder if I da, 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 you know I'm going through my head not thinking well you know maybe maybe they're overwhelmed at work maybe they have some deadlines so I'll go that to that for me in terms of of the checkup I pay attention to my belly my gut like when I leave your presence how do I feel do I feel encouraged? Am I like happy? Have you made me laugh? Or do I feel icky? Because there's some people who will leave you feeling icky. You know, you feel like maybe there's some places that you went that you didn't want to go and, and then you put out these cues. Maybe you were just quiet and didn't engage, but you didn't say, I don't want to talk about that. So I pay attention to how I feel. And, and, and then afterwards, I'll, I'll think about what could I have said different? If I don't want to talk about you know, if I'm talking to a cousin, I don't want to talk about another cousin. What could I have said differently to say, hey, I'm not comfortable about this. 
Or if I'm talking to a coworker who's talking about the boss, I don't have that kind of relationship. You know, so I want to be clear. I'm not comfortable talking about this with you. I want to be clear. I'm not participating in this nonsense. And then, and, and one of my favorite sayings is I'm not going to co-sign on this, but how can I say that in a way that, you know, maybe I say it a little humorous or maybe I'm firm because sometimes the hints that we try to give people subtle so we don't have to hurt their feelings. You know, I have people in my life who do not respond to hints. They need to hear from my mouth. No, not going there. Don't come to me with any nonsense. And they need to hear it because they're not following subtleties. So the relationship checkup is how do you feel mm-hmm. and give yourself a script for the next time this happens, this is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think you all hit the nail on the head with doing that self-evaluation and then kind of monitoring and paying attention to what the other person is doing as well. Like, did they fall back? Was it, and, and also with some people, it's like, was it a shift in any type of way? Because I think with people that we're closer to, we can kind of tell when something has shifted, either the frequency of contact or even when we do have contact is something like you just don't feel as connected. I know I was talking with a friend and that's kind of what we talk, especially with closer friends and certainly in romantic relationships that you can just kind of tell. I know it, it may be kind of sound abstract, but you can kind of tell like I just don't feel as connected with my partner and then you you have to kind of know what is that about now that may be something internal on your end maybe something that's going on with them maybe you literally haven't connected as much and you and the relationship hasn't been nurtured so I, I think like like for me I know I can and maybe it's just a human thing but I know I can be really sensitive to that in closer relationships I just feel more of that sense of disconnection and I know for me that would be my big indicator like do I know me like I do not need to let that feeling of disconnection linger for too long that's gonna turn into something else so that's that's my sign that some it needs to be a conversation some check-in check-up of some sort I'll be honest I already said I'm like a a couple therapists on 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 my speed dial (laughs) when I get to be a little relationship that's gonna be a checkup we don't have a checkup and a (laughs) check-in I'm sorry Tiffany go ahead I was going to just say I'm way more behavioral than I am feeling. So I look at the changes in behaviors first. So, you know, um, I may not have the feeling of disconnection for a minute, but I'm going to recognize that you're not doing what you used to do and I'm not doing what I used to do. And that's what I will see first. And so I am getting better when I see those changes, being honoring those and saying, okay, it's something changing. And so I need to do some check-in to see what's up. But I also feel like, you know, just checking in on a regular basis, regardless, even if it's going well, can be good. I mean, sometimes I like to hear when things are going well. I don't want to just check in when I see that we, you know, you falling back or something like that. So sometimes it's good to do those, just have your check-ins on your calendar. I just want to sit down and make sure we good. I want to make sure that we, you know, things are happening, you know, let's do this. Um, and I think you'll be you'll you'll see healthier boundaries of communication when you're doing it on a regular basis. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yes, love it, love it. So I also know it is time for us to wrap up. And so, what are we going to leave with our listeners today? What's that last burning thing we want to say? I just say you know, be okay with setting boundaries, um, and when you do so. Um, think about 
not only yourself, because you're going to, you know, the boundaries for you, but also um, have some empathy and thinking about the other person as well and making sure that that boundary is realistic and, and, the and determining what the, the consequence for not um, being able to adhere to that boundary is, so. Be crystal clear on what your needs are and what you want the goal to be in the relationship. If you want the goal to be, I want to I want to keep this relationship, but I need for us to do ABC. Make sure that you're clear on that you communicate what ABC is and that you are clear on what happens if ABC is violated. Are you going to terminate the relationship completely? Or are you going to dial it back? Are you gonna spend less time? But be clear on that and perhaps even communicate that to that individual so they can decide if they're cool with that and how they wanna roll. Yeah. I think for me, my word would be, and I know we've talked about this, is capacity. So, you know, being able to continually monitor and set assess our own capacity, right? So say, am I willing and able? Do I have the skills? Do I have the ability? Do I have the knowledge to adhere to, to set boundaries and to also listen for boundaries for people that I'm in a relationship with? Am I in a position where I need to expand my capacity to be able to set boundaries and to adhere to boundaries that other people are setting? So just doing what we can to monitor our, capacity, monitor our capacities and then also be mindful of the capacity of others that we're in relationship with. If we, if we have seen that they do not have the capacity to have a certain level, a certain type or closeness in, in terms of relationship because of their capacity level, we just have to be in the truth of all of that, be in the truth of our own capacity and other people's capacity and adjust your expectations accordingly. And I will just end by saying that setting boundaries is not, they're not always easy. Um, this is new for a lot of us. We haven't been taught how to set boundaries and how to do it. So don't be afraid to reach out to a therapist, a mental health professional to get some tips on how to set boundaries, uh, to get some support as you set new boundaries. Um, it's okay to reach out and get some help with this. And as always, when life throws you lemons, turn it into sweet tea and lemonade.